Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. I do want to welcome those of you that are watching online. Perhaps you're listening on our podcast. It's great to have you with us. Hope Covenant, would you welcome our online viewers and listeners? Not sure what day of the week it is for some of you listening on our podcast, but I do want to encourage you, if you're ever in the Charlotte area, to stop by and we'll make you feel right at home, won't we, Hope Covenant? We are launching a new series today. Uh, called The Life of Jesus. This is going to run from this week all the way to Easter Sunday. That'll culminate the series. And I believe that this is going to be a a life-transforming message. I believe this is not going to be just words or just a teaching. But if you can really grasp and grab a hold of of the the authority that's spoken in these scriptures and the revelation that comes from this, I believe that you'll leave changed. How many of you want to leave changed? I don't want to leave the same today. Uh, as I was doing this message, um, I actually do the messages up in the, the media booth up there. I, uh, Liz works at home, and so I come and work here, and we get our time, and then we come home and we do dinner. That's kind of our day. And uh, this, this week, when I was doing this message, I have to say I had a box of tissues next to me the entire time. As the Lord was revealing certain things to me that I'd never seen in Scripture, I believe that this is going to be chock full of that revelation for some of you. I pray that this would not just be words, but that God would move on your heart. So I want to pray over that. Lord, I thank you as we start this series about your life. You sent your son here. Jesus. And as we learn about his life, I thank you, Lord, that this would transform us and that we would leave forever changed and different in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Here's a snapshot of what we're going to be doing over the next couple weeks. Sunday is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When Jesus came into Jerusalem, you might know this as Palm Sunday, and that's going to be today's focus. The next week, Monday, Jesus clears the temple. Tuesday, Jesus teaches on the Mount of Olives. Wednesday, Jesus rested in Bethany. He was preparing for what was to come. And uh, there wasn't, there's really not a whole lot of scripture to support exactly what that day looked like, but we're going to dig into that a little bit, and we'll kind of skip through that and couple that with Thursday, because we've only got six weeks till Easter. I don't, how many of you are looking at the month of March and going, what? It's like the middle of March already. Um, then Thursday is the Last Supper. Friday is the crucifixion. Saturday, I love this, Jesus uh, in the grave. This is a season of, of waiting and warring, and a lot of people were discouraged. A lot of people dealt with fear. How many of you know there's a lot of discouragement in today's world? A lot of people that are dealing with fear. But check it out. Then Sunday came the resurrection when Jesus came with all authority out of the tomb. And uh, man, could we give God a shout of praise for that? I'm so glad that he's alive. And so this is a season that we're going to devote to an entire series of the last week known as the Passion Week. All of what I just read to you, this is known as the Passion Week, the last week of the life of Jesus uh, here on earth. And the Bible puts a lot of focus on it, and that's why I want to dedicate an entire series to this, because the Bible focuses a lot. And I want to give you some statistics about that. You've got in the New Testament, 
you've got, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four first chapters of the New Testament. There are 89 chapters total in all of those books combined, okay? So check this out. Here's where the information comes in that's like mind-blowing. Only four out of those 89 chapters focus on the first 30 years of Jesus' life. Only four out of 89 chapters. The last three and a half years of Jesus' life has 85 chapters. The last week of Jesus' life, the Passion Week that we're talking about, has 29 out of 89 chapters devoted specifically to that portion of his life. One week, 29 chapters. How many of you know that's a series? And then some. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. Listen, our message is here. We try to keep them at a half hour. I'm going to do my best. And if not, you know, y'all could just pray for the rapture. <laughs> so the last week, this Passion Week, that's what we're going to focus on. One third of the Gospels are devoted towards the last week of Jesus' life here on earth. Am I correct, Dad? Did I get that math correct? Math wasn't my deal. One third, 29 out of 80. Nine chapters, one third. Okay, so on the final week of Jesus' life on earth, he gave some of his best teachings that he wanted us to understand as he left the earth. And I'm, I'm crazy passionate about this week as Jesus was. And I think him knowing that he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, this is his last week here to pour in to the disciples. He put a lot of emphasis on, on like, you can imagine the last words that you'd want to say before you go to be with the Father. What Jesus was doing throughout the Gospels and a lot during this last week that I hope that, that you, is going on inside of each of us is that Jesus was demonstrating, and he did this throughout his life, but in the last week you see a real emphasis of his demonstration of his love. There was an amazing transference of his love on that last week that we're going to walk through. And I want to encourage you with this. If you know a God who's a God that you're afraid of, and when I, we, we all want the fear of the Lord, which is the awe and reverence of God, but I never want you to be afraid of God or afraid of Jesus in a sense that there's a fear of this man who desperately loves you. He doesn't want you to fear him in that way, that you're afraid of him. He wants you to fear him in a way that you reverence him. That's good, and that's, that's a desire, but not, not a fear in a sense that, that you're scared of God. He's, he loves you, and I'm going to read some verses today that maybe will give you some revelation on how deep that is and how undeserving and how many of you know you can't earn Jesus love you can't earn that that's something that happened that was that is given to you through this gift that we're going to discuss of what happened here that you did not this is not a merit thing this is not a merit badge and I'm so grateful for that what Jesus was doing throughout this gospels and a lot during the last week was he was instilling a hope by demonstrating this love. And in the Passion Week, uh, you really see his passion for how much he loves us, how much he longs for us. My prayer for this series, this Easter series, is that we see Jesus' passion and love for the people and catch this personally, that we not only catch it for us sitting here, I say this every single week, but that we carry it out into a lost and dying world that desperately needs this encounter that we've been blessed with, that to whom much is given, much is required. How many of you know, if I experience Jesus' love on a daily basis and I experience revelation that Jesus gives to me, that's not just for me, but something that I should be taking outside the four walls of this room or the four walls of my house and share the love, spread the love. Everybody say, share the love. Share the love. So my prayer is that you really catch that. One of the most popular and unfathomable to me scriptures that you probably all know is John 3, 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not die, but have eternal life. This goes on for eternity. Thank God for Jesus who gave us the ability to spend eternity in the throne room with the Father. Where we're longing to go, hopefully. Romans 5, 8, I love this. But God showed his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That part is what grabs my attention right there. So before any of us received Christ as our Lord, he was expressing his love for us. That's, it's it's mind-blowing to me that there was an expression of love before I ever accepted this man. I think that kind of passion merits and deserves a, a passionate response. How many of you believe that? And I'm talking, I'm not just talking about a golf clap and an amen and a hallelujah. I'm talking about dedicating a life that is worth living that would reflect the very sacrifice that Jesus made for us. One of the famous old hymns by Isaac Watson, and I actually love this hymn, and we'll probably sing it in the next couple of weeks. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. That's a big statement. My soul, my life, my all, your very being. My hope is that this series raises your passion level for Jesus as we look at the Passion Week and how he was passionate for us, that it raises your passion level for him. And that you would take that and carry that out and share that passion with others. Uh, today, I want to talk about one of the most important topics mentioned in Scripture across all four of these chapters, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When the Passion Week begins, this is when Jesus, this is our focus today, has his triumphant entry. We know this as Palm Sunday. In Luke, let's all turn to Luke 19, 29 to 40. If you have your Bibles or your iPhones, or maybe you want to pull up the U version that Julie was telling you about earlier. This is out of the NLT, as he, this is referring to Jesus, came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. He sent two disciples ahead, and Jesus said to them, check this out. This is, again, one of those mind-blowing scriptures. Go into the village over there, he told them, and as you enter, you will see a young donkey tied there that, that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. So he's telling them, go find this donkey. And here's what's amazing about this. Jesus knew exactly where the donkey was. He'd never seen it before. Knew exactly where it was. He knew that it had never been ridden, and he knew that it was tied down. How many of you know Jesus knows every hair on our head? He knows all the details. He knows the beginning from the end. That's amazing that he knew that. That proves right there his power. Scripture proves it right there. Can I just, I just want to tell you, Jesus, it's a prophetic picture of what he knows in our lives that we could trust him every step of the way. Yes. Now, I want to read verse 31. If anyone asks, why are you untying that call? Just say the Lord needs it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, that's simple. Verse 32, so they went and found the cult. Just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the, owner asked, asked, the owners asked them, why are you untying that cult? Like Jesus knew even that was going to happen. The disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. They followed his instruction there. And so they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. 
And, and you, here's where the palm branches, we call this Palm Sunday, the palm branches were waved as Jesus came in on that colt, on that donkey he rode in, and they were celebrating Jesus, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They're celebrating him, and it's amazing to me what happens here. And I want to read this. this. This moment was prophesied 400 years before Jesus rode in on that donkey, that, that was a prophetic word in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was 400 years before that actually happened that that was prophesied about. How many of you know we have a prophecy about the return of Jesus? And I don't know about y'all, but when I turn on Fox News or CNN or any news network, I could see things heating up right now about that prophetic word, the return of Jesus. And how many of you would be ready to go right now if Jesus came? I mean, like, let's go. Let's go. Let's just do this. Let's wrap it up. I used to have the thought, you know, Lord, I want like three kids and I want that house and I want that car. I'm over all that. I'm like, let's go. I, I, let's, I'm done with this world. Let's go. And how many of you are there with me? Can I get a whoop whoop? Yeah. Like I, I'm over that. I really am. And you know what? We're supposed to be, according to scripture, praying in the return of the Lord and excited and passionate about the return of Jesus. We're supposed to be wanting this. And you're supposed to be wanting the kingdom of heaven more than the kingdom of earth. Listen, this is just a fire drill. This is just a moment of preparation and a moment of decision making for us that we accept him as Lord and not just Savior. Because listen, we all want a Savior, but how many of us want somebody telling us what to do? That's Lordship now. That gets challenging. It, it, gets, it gets real. The rubber meets the road. When God tells us to do X and we want Y, but we do X when we want Y, now that's obedience, which is far better than sacrifice, and God can use that to do so much greater. Say greater. greater. And I want to say this to some of you that on the way in here this morning, the Lord was speaking to me about the fact that this is a season of obedience for each of us, that there is so much greater on the way if we'll pass the test. I want to tell you what I believe the test is this morning for many of you that are in this room. It's the waiting room, I like to call it. Liz and I just had a situation, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little bit further about this, where just uh, Thursday we were in the hospital, and Liz had a procedure done. And, babe, I just want to say I'm proud of you, and I love you, and you did great. And, man, greater things are coming. And we believe, how many of you believe God is a God of miracles and a God of redemption? But so while Liz is all cozy in her bed with the warm blanket and the leg massagers and all that stuff, I'm sitting in the waiting room with my folks waiting and waiting and wait. How many of you know hospital waiting rooms are some of the worst? I'd rather be in DMV. No, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, I'll take that back. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that. But if you've ever been at DMV or you've ever been in a hospital waiting room, you've ever been in a waiting room at all, I, I'm, I, I just don't wait well. That's not like my, it's not my spiritual gift, y'all. I, I don't wait well. But the Lord was speaking to me as I was in that waiting room because how many of you know Isaiah says it's in the waiting period that we're actually renewed. Our strength is renewed in the waiting. 
And here's the word for some of you this morning that are in a season where something, you're in that hallway. It's like one door is closed, the other door is not quite open, and you're in the hallway, and you're touching the walls, and you're feeling around, and it's dark, and right now you're worried about stubbing your toe on the kid's matchbox car or stepping on it. If you've never stepped on a matchbox car or a micro machine, you've never lived. I promise you, or Lego, oh my Lord, it's so good. All the parents said Amen. Yeah, it'll make sure you're alert, and, and but you're in that hallway, enough of that. You're in the hallway, move on, Adam. You're, you're in that hallway, and that door's not open, and you're like, God, 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 when are you going to open it? I have found that when that door is closed on each side, God is preparing me for something I could not do on my own that is so much greater than what it is that I think it might be. I'm telling you, he will blow your mind if you're obedient in the waiting season when this door is closed and this door is closed and you're fumbling through the dark to find your way and there might be three bedroom doors on the way to that end door where you're not sure exactly which door you're going to walk through. But if you're obedient, I promise you, God will show you the way and the way will be so much greater and it'll be full of joy and it'll be prosperous and I'm not saying it won't be without challenges, but in that waiting season, and he will renew you if you submit to it. And I want to encourage you with that today because many of you in this room, you might be waiting for a spouse. You might be waiting for the opening for your job or your career or your business. Or, you know, I know some of you are, are looking. There's a couple that are sitting here that are waiting for a, a location for their business. And all of those things. You might be waiting for kids and you've had two miscarriages and you're wondering, when is this ever going to happen? And Lord, can I even try this again? And maybe you're looking at the future and you're going, I, I, I start to dread things when I look at it. Listen, he's a God of hope and he does you got to get the spirit of dread off of you. If you're dealing with that dread, you need, to, you need to take authority over that and say, in Jesus' name, I'm done with the tragedy. I'm done with the dread. I'm done with the post-traumatic stress syndrome that comes against me when I start thinking about it. You take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. I don't know why I'm going here, but I'm ministering to somebody today. Can I get an amen? If you're happy and you know it. So, Verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all the followers began to joyfully shout and sing as they walked along praising God. This was a joyful celebration on Palm Sunday, his triumphant entry. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, and check this out, because this is the crux of the message right here. Rebuke your followers for saying things like that. The Pharisees, the religious folks, is what the Pharisees represented. They did not like free worship. Can I tell you something? There's going to be an attack on your worship because where your worship is, their freedom is. When you lift your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care and you're free in the presence of the Lord where he can do in just one moment what I can't do in 30 years of teaching you. But you entered, you know why we spend time marinating worship? Because that's where the revelation happens that God does something in your heart that I can't do through my teaching. Because a moment in his presence will change everything when you encounter the Lord and he pours out revelation. I'm preaching better than y'all are amen in today. But check this out. This was the revelation. and This is why I had a box of tissues sitting up in that booth preparing this message. The Pharisees who are 
unhappy with this free worship, this pharisaical spirit doesn't like the freedom. And unfortunately, the people actually ended up the same praisers that were praising on Sunday, on Palm Sunday, were by Friday screaming, crucify him. Man, that's messed up. I call it fickle faith. They had fickle faith. They were moved by what they saw. And can I tell you that in the season and the time that we're in right now, if you're moved by what you see and you have fickle faith, you are in trouble. I say this all the time. This quote, my favorite quote by A.W. Tozer is that a scared world needs a fearless church who knows who they are in Christ, who knows that their faith and the substance is Jesus and puts all their hope in Jesus that when every knee would bow and every tongue would confess because of the mighty name of Jesus. Can you shout out Jesus? Jesus. I'm telling you, there was, there's an amazing prophetic correlation to what I see in Scripture there and what I see in today. How many of you have seen the fickleness of people that are praising on, even with politics, it's like they praise on Sunday and by Friday they're screaming, crucify him. And we need to be careful because oftentimes we judge people to a standard that we can't even live at. And that'll preach right there. You go, how do you know? Because I've done it. Guilty as charged right here. You know, I used to be critical of, of pastors for doing certain things. And oh, as I was sitting on their staff, it was easy to be a naysayer. And I find myself doing the same things in leadership that they did. And I go, oh, that's why they did that. And it's amazing the revelation you have when you're in the moment. And, you know, it's amazing what happens when there's a closed door and you feel like the cattle, what, what do they call that when they, when they open the gate and the cattle runs out, when they're doing the cattle, what are they doing, like the bull riding thing? And you're waiting for that gate to open and you're like, God, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And he's going, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. And you're going, yeah, I am. I need it to be right now. I want my moment right now. I want my microwave meal that doesn't taste very good. He's going, no, I'm going to crock pot this in your life. I'm going to marinate this. And when I open up that lid, you're going to go, ooh, it was worth the wait. Yes. Amen. Because crock, uh, I could talk food anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, the people followed these Pharisees, the same ones praising on Sunday, screaming, crucify him on Friday. When God starts to move in your life, the devil will often, if not always, try to discourage and attack your worship and listen to this. He'll make you feel less than. All the questions of, of can I do this? And you'll hear him go, no, you can't. No, you're going to die. No, you're going to belly flop. You're going to look stupid. Just wait. Just wait. It's come. Oh, it's coming. That dread. You start to feel that dread. You start to feel, oh, what did I do? As soon as you start to move out in faith, what did I do? You start to get scared. You start to deal with fear. You're sitting there at night and your heart's thumping over what you're afraid of that might could happen that, by the way, usually doesn't happen. Usually 90%, well, for me, it's, it's 99.999% of what I fear is just, it's, it's this fictionary picture that it never happens. And I wasted my time. We cannot live in fear. You cannot fear the Lord and live in fear at the same time. We got to get closer to the Lord. But check out Jesus' reply in verse 40. Jesus says this. When, when the Pharisees are critical of, of the praisers, he said, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into chairs. You know that verse as even the rocks would cry out on their place. 
You need to know there is a battle for your worship and for your attention and ultimately for your affection. When you praise, it brings stability. It keeps you centered on Jesus that you can stand in the midst of any situation. You could be in the hospital room just one week ago and look at a sonogram and think there's a baby there and find out it's a black hole and there's no heartbeat. And you could stay centered when you start praising. You know, Liz, one of the things that ministered to me was when you were upstairs in the bathroom, I was downstairs bawling my eyes out because you were singing praise to the Lord in the bathroom and worshiping because you knew worship keeps you centered. And I'm proud of you for that, and I love you. Can you guys give Liz a hand clap? I mean, that was bold. That was, it was amazing. I'm just giving you a little bit of love. I know you're my wife. I know I have a bias, but I think you're amazing. She is. Thank you. When you praise, it brings stability. I want to say this, and I think this is going to be up on the screen. Praise feeds passion. So what are you praising? I want to ask that question today. What are you worshiping? Worship is our response to what we value most. What are you worshiping? Are you worshiping things? Are you worshiping cars? Are you worshiping stuff? Or are you worshiping the Lord? What's your priority? What's your value? Are you worshiping money? Because I could tell you what's going to happen if you do. You will live your life trying to do more and more and more and more. And you will wake up 20 years from now wondering where life went because you were trying for more all the time and nothing was ever enough and it never will be. And that is a crazy trap that us Americans, it's like the American dream just ingrained in our, our minds. More, 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 more. And we're never satisfied. Can I tell you, if you're never satisfied, that's not good. That's not pleasing. That's not a life of worship you want to live. So what are you worshiping? Because your response to that will, it will, it will show what you value most. Whatever I worship becomes an obsession. Whatever I become obsessed with, I imitate. And whatever I imitate, I become. I'm going to say that again because that's really good. Whatever I worship becomes an obsession. Whatever I become obsessed with, I imitate. And whatever I imitate, I become. I hope the fill into the blank there is I'm going to imitate and become obsessed with Jesus. That I look like Jesus when the world sees me. That's my hope and my prayer for each of you. So what I choose to give my time, energy, passions, money, affections, and expressions, it will ultimately shape my life. If you don't like what you're becoming or who you are, you need to survey today what is on the throne of my heart. You go, why are you preaching that? Why you could come at me like that? <laughs> I'm coming at me like that. That's why I was bawling in that booth when I was preparing this message because I was examining what has captive the throne of my heart. What has my attention? You know, I was, again, I, I told you guys I'm on like this challenge to spend less and less time on my iPhone and less and less time on social media. And uh, again, the reports this week was like, where you been, bro? Like, what's going on? Do you know that the less time I'm spending on Facebook and on Instagram is the more peace I have? Do you know Why? Because I'm not looking at Sister, Sister Susu's car and looking at his, uh, Brother Soso's house and comparing my life to his life and, we, and looking at all the pictures like, how you doing? You know, or, or you got the people who are trying to be like ultra real on social media and you're like, I don't want to see that either. You know, like there's no, there's no in between. Like just put a little bit of makeup on. I'm good with that. 
All right? Yes. I'm, I'm good with that. We got two extremes, and everybody's trying to show, you know, like, I'm just trying to be this, or I'm trying to be that. And I'm going, I'm just done with all of it. I'm going to get in the Word and look at Jesus, because that's, can I get a shout from somebody who's with me? Social media is so unhealthy. And it is encouraging narcissism where we're all about us, 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 my platform, my platform, my platform. Even up here today, I had to examine why am I behind this podium? Is it because I want to be seen or because I want Jesus to be seen through this message? Yeah, that'll preach. I don't know who just whistled like that, but tremendous whistling. That's awesome. Like, teach me that because that was good. How does that go? One more time. One more time. Just do it for the crowd. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. I think the praises on Palm Sunday had what I want to call situational faith. And I'm going to end with this today. Is your faith based on situations? When I was a kid, we watched a movie. How many of you remember China Cry, the movie China Cry? Anybody yeah. watch China Cry? It scared me when I was a kid. Yeah. Dad, I don't know why you let us watch that. But anyway, it's, it, it put the fear of God. Well, I'm telling you, it scared me. Or the rapture movies, like I was always worried, you know, what's going to happen. And then you'd see all the clothes and the underwear and everything. And you're like, am am I going to have my underwear when I get to heaven? Like, what's going on? All the clothes folded right there. You're like, that, like, am I going to be nude? What's happening here? Like, I don't want to think about that anyway. It's inappropriate. I'm trying to pastor this church. But but I really thought that. I I had the, how many of you had those thoughts? Like, why are the clothes all folded? And what am I going to look like when I get, is there a robe? Like, what happens when we get there? Like, it's like a spa. You get your robe. Where was I even going with this? Totally lost my attention right there. I was thinking about situational faith. And I was thinking about the end times. And I was thinking about if somebody put, in those end times movies, they always had like the the guillotine or like one of those tragic endings where like you had a decision. You were either going to choose Jesus or renounce your faith and then you could live and take the mark of the beast or whatever. And I've been thinking about that as times are stirring up and they're starting to heat up and you're seeing these things like, and again, I'm not getting political, but I'm just going to say them because it's real. Like you take the vaccination or you're out or you, you do this or you're out or you wear a mask or you can't come into this restaurant or what you know I believe that some of this is preparation for the time we're living in and I understand these things are designed to protect us and I'm again I'm not getting political about them but guys when we're when we're forced to do things I believe we're being prepped for the time we're living in because scripture says there's going to be a moment where you either have the mark of the beast or I I, believe it or not things are not going to go well if you don't take that. On the flip side, if you do take that, things are really not going to go well on an eternal basis. On a temporal basis, they might go well, but eternal, they won't. And I'm going to talk more about that. I'm going to talk this year about end times and revelation, what scripture says, because you will see where some of the things you, you have in the Bible talks about Gog and Magog. You've got some things right now. If you look at Russia and you look at China, I personally believe that's Gog and Magog. And when those nations get together, listen, no man knows the day or the hour. But when you look at what's going on right now, I believe the things are preparing for the return of Jesus. I do. We don't like to think about that oftentimes. The church doesn't like to think about the end times. Do you know why I believe the church doesn't like to think about it? Because I think we're living in sin and we know we're not ready if he comes. 
So let this moment be sober. I know I'm joking around a little bit today, but let this moment be sober. That am I living with situational faith? Am I living a lazy life of not living holy towards the Lord? Or am I living ready that I have no regrets? If he were to come back right now in this second, I know I'm clean and I'm living holy. Are the movies that you're watching, if Jesus were to come back in the moment that you're watching, what you're looking at, whatever it is online that's got your attention, is that something that if Jesus were to come back in that second, you can go, I am ready right now. And don't you dare look at your neighbor right now. I'm talking to you. This is for you. This is for me. And we need to live with that moment right now where we're all examining our hearts. Can I encourage you with something that will get you in big trouble if you don't do this? When we're, when we're talking about these things, you look at you. Don't look at the person next to you. Because God wants you to examine you. This is for you. Jack Hayford says this. Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshipped. So that's why I'm asking you, what are you worshiping? What has got your attention? What is the snare of the enemy? And I want to say this to the person that's feeling convicted right now about the things that do have your attention. We can all get clean in the moment. If we repent, he washes us clean and we can move on. It's that simple. There's hope for you today. There's hope for you. It's not too late. I can't say that about tomorrow because I don't know when he's coming. I don't know the day or the hour. But what I know is that right now, this is a moment that either the church becomes sober to the day that we're living in and to the things of God, or we are going to sleep our way right through this moment into a moment where it could be too late. I had another group of people ask me, do you believe once saved, always saved? And you know, this, I, I hate the traps of those conversations, so I answered it like this. I said, here's how I'm trying to live the best I possibly can, that when Jesus comes, I'm ready and I'm living right, and that's all I care about. I don't care about the theology behind all this. I, I don't care. All I know is that when Jesus comes, when, he, when I hear that trumpet sound, I want to hear it and I want to go. And so I'm going to live my life in every moment the best I can by God's grace, by his grace, and by his mercy. Lord, let me live that way. And when I jack it up and he reveals that to me in his presence, I just ask him to wash me clean. And I thank him for his mercy and that while I was still a sinner, he loved me. You guys feeling me? You need to live here, leave here today. Not live here today. Leave here today. Encouraged with optimism that there's a Jesus who loves you. But let's examine our faith, that it's not fickle faith or situational faith, but that we're living every day with the sober-mindedness of the fact that we've got a God who gave his son, Jesus, who died for us, that we could get right, and that we have that access by his blood and through that covenant relationship. Covenant means agreement. That agreement that happened with his blood that was shed at the cross, that I could be washed clean. Is your faith based on situations? And that's what I want to ask you. While the track's playing in the background, I want to ask you, just every person in here, to just bow your heads and your hearts. If you're watching online, And I want you to just ask yourself, as I did while I was bawling in the booth, Lord, what is it that has my heart? What is it that's sitting on the throne of my heart that I need to get rid of, that I need to dismiss, that I need to repent of, that I could get clean, 
that thank you for your blood and your mercy, Jesus, that right now I can be washed of all that. And Father, I thank you right now. Whatever that is, just go ahead. Just this is a moment between you and Jesus. Just go ahead and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I thank you that I'm washed in your blood, Jesus. That I'm cleansed. That you, when I repent of my sin, that you, you not only wash it, but you forget about it and it never happened. Lord, I thank you for that new beginning that we all have access to this morning. And Jesus, I thank you for folks in here that we're not going to let a rock out praise us. And we're not going to have situational faith. We're not going to have fickle faith. But we're going to declare your word and stand on your promises and your goodness. And Father, we're waiting for your return. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we repent right now. We thank you for washing us, each of us. And lifting those heavy chains and those burdens in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe that, would you shout amen? Amen. Listen, I know I'm preaching with passion, but I'm, I'm, I want to be as passionate about this as Jesus was about that week. You know, when Jesus clears the temple, and we're going to talk about that, it was, it was, a, that was a moment right there. And I, I, want, I want to be right. I just want to live under the shadow of his protection and his goodness and his blessing by, by obedience. You guys with me this morning? Lord, I just thank you for every person here, this, every person that's watching online or listening on the podcast. We thank you for your presence and your goodness and your cleansing, Lord, in your presence. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe that, would you shout amen? Go ahead, put your hands together. Guys, I'll see you next week. Love you. Go ahead, fellowship. Greet each other. Let's do community. It's so good to have you guys here. We'll see you next week. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.